In February 2016, Tom Vogel was named CEO of the Mountaineers, an 11,000-member outdoor community in the Pacific Northwest. A lifelong climber, the job gave Vogel a new perspective on how the sport is changing, as well as the broad challenges faced by an outdoor recreation sector that contributes $650 billion to our national economy. He spoke with associate editor April White about the sport's past, its future, and the toughest climb he ever made. In the March issue of the HBS Alumni Bulletin, we write about Terrace Moore, who was an MBA student uh, in 1931, who went off in search of a mountain higher than Everest. Tom, it's really great to have you here today to give us that modern day perspective of mountaineering and the outdoor recreation business. Let's begin at the start of your interest in mountaineering. How long have you been a climber? I've been a climber most of my life, actually. I started climbing when I was in high school and um, I've continued really through my adult life and I'm um, increasingly as I've spent time working in the outdoor industry since I moved to Seattle in uh, 2006. What was it that attracted you to mountaineering? You know, as, as kids, um, you know, I think we sort of naturally gravitate towards climbing trees or spending time playing in the outdoors. I also always have loved the snow. And so for me, combining sort of this thrill of climbing things with being off in the mountains and, um, and being in snow and eventually um, climbing glaciers was something that was just sort of a natural outcome for me. So you were climbing for years before you turned your, your hobby into a job. Tell me about your career path. I graduated in 98. I took a job down in Austin, Texas with Dell Computer. And during my years at Dell, I was there about uh, eight years, um, worked in, in marketing and e-commerce, had a couple of overseas assignments, but always loved exploring. And uh, in fact, you know, living overseas a couple of times was a chance for me to, you know, to explore other parts of the world. When I uh, found out about an opportunity at REI, the um, large outdoor retailer, it was just a terrific chance for me to combine my passions for, uh, for outdoors activities with a really wonderful career opportunity and also living in a part of the, the country and the world that was just amazing from an outdoor experience standpoint. REI has a very long history, I know, and your current organization, the Mountaineers, I believe has an even longer history. Can you tell me about the history of the Mountaineers? The Mountaineers was formed in 1906, so we've been around for um, going on 111 years, which is pretty amazing. We were formed by a group of 151 climbers um, and, and mountaineers who saw all these peaks around them here in the Northwest and wanted to get out and explore all these, um, all these blank places on the map. REI and the Mountaineers have a shared creation story. REI was created in, uh, in 1938 by Lloyd and Mary Anderson, who were both Mountaineers, and they were having a hard time finding good climbing gear from Europe, and so they formed a buying cooperative, mainly to support their friends from the Mountaineers, so they had better gear to go out and explore the Northwest and do it safely. Tom, you used a phrase that the Mountaineers in my story uh, used frequently, this idea of the blank areas of the map. Now, that's not something we really think about anymore. We don't think about there being blank areas to fill in. Why do you find that people climb today? I think that people will climb today for the same reason that they did back, you know, 100, 110 years ago, or, or the first expeditions on the big mountains like Everest or K2. It's that spirit of challenge and accomplishment and adventure. I think as, as human beings, we're naturally wired as adventurers. And climbing and mountaineering allows people to do that. Today, there's not a lot of first ascents that are taking place anymore because, you know, many of the big mountains have been conquered. 
but um, it gives what otherwise would be ordinary people the chance to do extraordinary things. The Mountaineers was very active in the 1930s and 1940s when our story takes place. Can you give me a sense of what the mountaineering community was like at that time? The 1930s were and, and 1940s really were a very interesting time worldwide for uh, for climbing and, and mountaineering. The same time that um, that people were attempting Everest and were trying to find peaks that were potentially higher than Everest. The same thing was going on here in the Northwest. People would set off and see a mountain off in the distance and they wouldn't have any information about how high it was or what the route was, but they were just driven by this sense of exploration. People were pioneering new techniques for, uh, for how to ascend mountains and they were getting other people involved in the, into the sport. It was a really wonderful time in mountaineering. I know you've had an opportunity to meet with some of the climbers who have taken some of those storied early ascents. You know, just last week, uh, we hosted an event with Leaf and Jim Whitaker. Both Jim and Leaf are mountaineers. And Jim was the first American to, uh, to summit Mount Everest back in 1964. He's been a longtime member of the organization, and uh, his son Leaf just wrote a book about his life growing up as a, a mountaineer in the shadow of his, um, of his dad, the, one of the most famous American climbers of all time. I also recently had the chance to meet and talk with Dee Molinar, who um, is 98 years old, um, and Dee has been a mountaineer for over 70 years. And he was on not only the first American expedition to K2, which is the second tallest mountain in the world, but Dee was, um, was on the first expedition overall to K2 and survived um, a really incredible rescue story on an unsuccessful attempt there. So it's really um, so wonderful to be able to be in a position where you literally get to meet people that are part of uh, mountaineering and climbing history, these living legends. That was one of the interesting things that became clear to me as I was working on A Summit Higher Than Everest. The idea that there's a really strong sense of history and a strong sense of community among mountaineers. How do you think that developed? I think one of the reasons why history and a, and a sense of heritage is so important in mountaineering is that it's a sport that is fairly complicated and it requires a lot of training, a lot of mentoring. You know, in a lot of ways, it's passed down from generation to generation. We have people that help teach our climbing courses here at the Mountaineers that are in their, you know, 60s and 70s that um, have been climbing, you know, for their entire adult lives. And they're still just as passionate about the sport, but more importantly, about passing on that knowledge and experience to other people. I know that the history of the Mountaineers is very important to you, but I also know that the future is very important to you. What do you see for the Mountaineers in the future? One of the trends that we're seeing in climbing now is the, um, the rise of, in popularity of um, indoor climbing at climbing gyms. There are literally thousands of people nationwide that every day are getting introduced to the sport of climbing through climbing gyms. And so one of our um, areas of focus is to try to make it an easy experience for people to go from the climbing gym to learning how to get out and climb on real rock or maybe go up and even um, climb uh, glaciated volcanoes here in the Northwest. Uh, so that's a really big trend that we see. Another one that's really important to us is getting the next generation into the outdoors and learning activities like hiking and climbing. You get to see this as a sport, 
you also really get to see it as a business, and you've you know observed that over a number of years. In what ways has the outdoor recreation economy grown, and what do you see for its future? Well, the outdoor recreation economy is actually a very large industry. Um, nationwide, outdoor recreation, broadly speaking, contributes about $650 billion to our economy. Um, nearly uh, 2 million jobs um, are supported uh, through the outdoor recreation economy. Just in the state of Washington, that number is, um, is two billion, or $20 billion and close to 200,000 people. It's a very large contributor to our economy and supports jobs, but the other aspect that's really important to us and other uh, organizations that are, that are involved in outdoor education is trying to introduce people to the outdoors so that they will know and love these places and then we'll, um, we'll advocate for them. We think that with a lot of our public lands and our wild places increasingly threatened by development or even big issues like uh, global climate change, that the more people we can get connected with the outdoors and loving these places, those will be the voices that will protect and conserve our lands for the next generation. As CEO of a mountaineering organization, do you still have a lot of time to get outdoors? <laughs> you know, n- not as much time as I would like, but I, but I still definitely make time to get out in the outdoors. Um, I'm an avid uh, skier, both you know, downhill and Nordic. I still get out and do climbing. Most of my outdoor activities really are centered around my family. For example, uh, this past summer, I was able to get my youngest son and, and a friend and his dad up uh, Mount Baker, which is the, the third highest peak in the state of Washington and the second most glaciated. Many of your fellow alumni also are avid hikers or climbers, but for those who have never tried to match wits with a mountain, what does that experience feel like? It's a combination of exhilaration and awe of just these amazing places. Um, it's a lot of hard work. <laughs> Sometimes it's cold and you have to deal with bad weather. More than anything, you know, it's just this incredible opportunity to to push yourself and to accomplish things that when you look at it in total um, might seem unattainable when when you're standing at the base of a mountain like um, like Mount Rainier and you literally have 10,000 vertical feet of of climbing ahead of you um, literally you know days of of climbing and and um, and challenging yourself with uh, you know the cold and the steepness and um, navigation and those things it's, it's hard to really get your head around that, that whole challenge. There's the, uh, the old expression that um, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. That's really one of the, the main things to keep in mind when learning a sport like, uh, like mountaineering or climbing. We have people every year that join the mountaineers and they have literally no experience um, climbing or sometimes even in the outdoors, even backpacking or that kind of thing. And they go all the way from that point to learning navigation and first aid and how to use um, all the various uh, gear that you need to stay safe. And eventually they learn rock climbing and, um, and they summit uh, the big glaciated volcanoes here in the Northwest. So literally anyone that puts their mind to it can learn this, this sport and do it safely and have just a terrific time. Uh, but it just requires resolve and, um, and a recognition that it's going to be a journey. Skydeck is produced by the External Relations Department at Harvard Business School. For more information or to find archived episodes, visit alumni.hbs.edu slash skydeck.